0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HazelCast. I am your host, Eric Franks, and today we got a chance to sit down with Dion West and Luis Perez of Outdoor Outreach. These guys run a leadership course that gives their participants a chance to learn and develop skills needed to run outdoor youth activities, access programming, and more. Outdoor Outreach is a truly amazing organization, and we had a great time talking about their passions for youth programming. So without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with Dion and Luis of Outdoor Outreach.
1: 5th guys. We are here today with uh, Luis and Dion from Outdoor Outreach. We're all recovering from our 4th of July antics and funnery.
0: <laughs> Did you guys feel the earthquake? No.
2: I, I heard there was one in LA, right?
0: Yeah, it was down here. Though. Like You could feel oh, it down here. It was no. super gnarly. My whole house is shaking for like five minutes. Okay. I probably slept through it. What time <laughs> was it? I was sleeping for a good bit.
1: It was in the morning. It was early, like nine or so.
0: Yeah, I think it was like uh, like eleven o'clock.
1: Might
2: have been in the water, mm-hmm. trying to surf. Trying yeah. to surf.
1: <laughs> did you feel? Did you feel the wave shaking? <laughs> <laughs> it
2: already, it already the, the waves were pretty bad just because it was really windy. So I got out pretty quickly too. Uh, I wonder if earthquakes maybe that's caused, what affected like, them. Tidal waves. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's like why that. the waves were sucky. Yeah. <laughs>
1: What if there was just a tsunami, God, you could have ridden the biggest wave of your life.
2: Yeah, I would have been prepared.
0: <laughs> Isn't that what uh, earthquakes cause tsunamis and stuff?
1: It has to be like the right kind of earthquake in the if right place. Yeah. If it's on the water. Yeah. It's, uh, because oh. it has to be the kind that does this.
0: <laughs> we, yeah, <that>. we can <laughs> totally see
1: that. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if you picture, my actions. <laughs> She's doing karate. <laughs> <laughs> I have
1: two tectonic plates. One slips under the other, and the other one goes above the other, like a sandwich. Oh. Like a sandwich. And then it points up, and then it goes in <laughs> and then out. Okay. Okay, anyway, <laughs> back to Outdoor Outreach. <clears throat> um, can you guys introduce yourselves and just kind of talk about what specifically you do at Outdoor oh. Outreach?
2: Uh,
3: oh wow! <laughs> she introduced us as Louise and Dion. So let's,
1: <laughs> but we let's, can switch it up for this order now. Dion and Louise.
3: All right. Well, my name's Dion, and um, I'm currently the leadership program assistant coordinator here at Outdoor Outreach, and um, I was a participant with uh, with them uh, spanning back a good seven, eight years ago when I was a junior in high school. um, I became a participant when really, I wasn't really doing any type of sports, um, wasn't really getting out the house much. And um, you know this great organization gave me the opportunity to just go outside into these outdoor spaces where uh, they, they were just not on my radar, not this organization, not the places that they would take me. And that would actually inspire me to become an instructor and continue uh, that fight to connect more youth in San Diego to the outdoors.
1: Nice. So what does your job look like day to day for outdoor outreach?
3: Well, we have something called the leadership program where we take former participants and uh, we bring them into the organization for uh, for training. We teach them different types of outdoor skills that we would uh, typically use while out in the field when giving giving a uh, service to the community. So, you know, they're going mainly through like team building activities, uh, job training, uh, picking up skills needed just to get a foot into the, into the industry. Um, And what my job is to uh, assist Louise uh, (laughs) and his uh, little, I I like to call it a journey with dealing with these young individuals, because, you know, we're dealing with a good 12 people who are just now discovering themselves. Um, They're in this prime stage in their life where, Uh, If you invest in them, the amount of growth that they can undergo is just astounding. Mm
1: -hmm. Nice. I think that's interesting that that's your position, because when Eric and I were driving out to Vegas last weekend for an adaptive climbing event, he was like, oh, so tell me about outdoor outreach. And I think the first thing I said was, it's rad because the people who work there used to be participants. (laughs) And I think that's one of the neatest things.
0: Yeah, I, I read your bio, and I think it said in there that you, you lived here for like 10 years before you ever went to the beach or something like that. Yeah. It, do you guys find that is pretty common for, for kids around that age that they just don't ever really go outside or they don't have access to that type of environment? or
3: Yeah, so we have a lot of first here uh, with outdoor outreach. We have a lot of people. It's their first time going on uh, uh, a bike, first time riding a bike, first time uh, learning how to swim. Uh, For me in particular, I lived in San Diego for 10 years, and uh, not once have I been to the beach during that time, mainly due to the fact that both of my parents were working. Um, You know, like, when I first moved to San Diego, I was six, and I didn't know anything about the busing system or anything like that, and, like, I didn't have the knowledge to actually seek out those outdoor spaces, and uh, pretty much what they did was they broke down that barrier. Um, You know, they handled the cost of actually enjoying some of these, these activities, because, a lot of things like surfing, kayaking, uh, for a lot of people in San Diego, they just can't afford to do that, whether it's an exchange of money or their time that they could be making income for something else. And uh, that's where Outdoor Outreach pretty much served as, like, the middleman.
1: Yeah, yeah we, because um, you guys do your benefit dinner once a year, right? Is that, Yeah, like the gala. Yeah, the gala. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: September 29th, mm-hmm. I think it's now.
1: Because Mace mm-hmm. Room always has a September. table there and uh mm-hmm. i think so i've gone every year except for one year but this past year there was a girl who talked about how she had also never been to the beach and i was like man <laughs> <laughs> like what a crazy barrier for something that spans like our whole city you know yeah. it's crazy
2: yeah i think we always take granted kind of what we already have available to yeah. us we're like oh the beach is right there uh, san diego's right here we've been living here for a while um eventually i'll do it mm-hmm. and so i think to begin with that's almost like the mindset <clears throat> that's out there where um it is there but then still we still need to achieve that um to get to the other side somehow and i think right now like uh, without that, I, reach, I myself see it as a bridge mm-hmm. in a way to where it connects us to those opportunities that are always there but then we just need a little push just like when we <laughs> go surfing and then well we are already giving them a a good push that can start off a lifelong um career for them or a uh, passion that they would want yeah. to pursue ever since
1: So Luis, what do you do at Outdoor Outreach? Yes.
2: So I am the Leadership Program Coordinator. Um, This is my second year into it. I started last March. Uh, And then it is for the eight-week summer program that's happening. Uh, It started in June 17th, and it'll go through August 9th, with their following day being kind of like their graduation day. Um, So really looking forward to that. Um, I've been with Outdoor Outreach since... I started as a participant as well, just like Dion, uh, and that was 2009, I believe, uh, right out of, um, as soon as I got out of uh, middle school, kind of get like into my high school um, scenario, kind of like a, not scenario, uh, just lifestyle, I was trying to figure out high school. And then, so I was in, in my English class, and then this random dude just comes out and like tells us that we can do all these cool things, so go camping, go surfing. And for myself, um, also just my background in general, like uh, I wasn't born here. My parents are not born here, too. Um, so I think just being able to try the opportunities that he was offering was kind of scary to me, but then also really, like, I was very curious in trying to do so. Um, and so I decided to, to just go for it, and all four years of my high school, I, I was uh, engaged in some capacity uh, while trying to deal with other uh, sports and activities I was doing in high school. Uh, but I think after I graduated in uh, 2012, I was able to... Um, be engaged a lot more, and then figured like, "Hey, um, this is something I really like to do." And so I was I was keeping it part of my um, part of my life as I'm also trying to do uh, part time work, and I wasn't able to go to college. So then, kind of just trying to make my my ends meet somehow, uh, but also doing what I really enjoyed, which was um, also not just the rock climbing part, but then also being able to help those students that were once
1: like me.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting structure. How they kind of. <laughs> you know, a lot of the participants end up in your, in your leadership roles. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Like it's, I mean, the whole idea of growth from within and using your community to further your community, is just important. I don't feel like, I mean, nonprofits a little different, but I don't feel like there's a lot of companies that really promote from within. Mm -hmm. So what is the like lifespan of that look like for someone who comes to a program on time and they're like, Oh, I want to do this for a living someday. Like I want to work for outdoor outreach. Like, what does that leadership program process look like?
2: I think this summer we do spend it a lot on just for them to get more comfortable with themselves mm-hmm. and being in a new group of thirteen. And so within that, they're learning social skills, um, and then through after outreach, a lot more job training, and then trying to figure out what life is after after high school. This is mm-hmm. the first summer uh, for a lot of them that they just graduated high school. Um, some of them were still finishing high school <laughs> while. Uh, During the first week of our leadership program, Um, so I think it's still trying to navigate through all that, and I think most of the stuff, most of like, most of the things that we are uh, already offering, for example, maybe um, just last week they ended up doing first aid and CPR, Uh, and so with that, that can already open so many opportunities for them, Um, and so their their career could look like whatever they want it to be, Uh, and so I think for us is that's what I really like the most as well, just being able to give those fundamental. Um, tools for them to be able to kind of explore the world.
1: Nice. Yeah, Yeah, it seems like such a sustainable structure. It's not like you're just taking people out one time and being like, this is kayaking. (laughs) See you later. Like, hope you get into kayaking. (laughs) (laughs) It's like very long-term sustainable. Yeah, see ya. (laughs) Because I feel like there are a lot of groups out there that, you know, they take people out, but there's really no plan to keep them involved. They just like introduce them to a lot of stuff and then... Mm -hmm like there's just no follow-up so it's rad that outdoor outreach invests so much in it
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: do you guys ever so we took the adaptive team climbing outside one time like years ago when it first started and we're like all right you guys have been climbing in the gym like we're gonna go outdoors and we got to holcomb valley and everyone was just like what the fuck like what, is this? what do you want us to do right now like i have to hike up this mountain do you guys ever get participants that are just like this is dumb. <laughs> like what to are begin you with yeah,
2: <laughs> we do. or something that they already used to and like climbing outdoors. Where's the colors? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Where should I go? So how do you get people kind of over that? Like initial fear gap?
3: Well, um, you know, if, You would come into the organization, and if you would come with us out on the field, you'll most likely hear like a little term called challenge by choice, Mm -hmm. where uh, we don't pressure anyone to um, do anything that they are just not comfortable to do or or to do anything at that, but we will insist uh, that they do push their barriers just for the sake of growth. Um, What I like to explain to participants is that when you fail to do something, um, you're not really failing. There's succeeding, and then there's the type of process where you didn't get the end results, but you now know what not to do. Um, when, you're, when you're in a situation where you're uncomfortable, um, that's a great moment for an instructor to utilize some social skills that they learned within the organization and really just provide some comfort to that individual, but also explain that emotion and try to help them find where they can push a boundary to grow. So they don't have to rock climb if we're doing rock climbing. Sometimes getting out your comfort zone just means doing that long hike and being there with the group or, you know, picking up some belaying skills if you're not on the wall climbing and just learning from instructor, instructors that way. Uh, so, you know, here at Outdoor Outreach, we always find a way uh, for people to to be something better.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. What would you say is the biggest challenge for, or maybe like the most common challenge you come across for people to get involved? Like I know at the gala last year, a woman spoke about how like culturally it wasn't super acceptable for her to like go out and do sports and like go to the beach and all these things. Like what's, what do you think is the biggest barrier that keeps kids from being involved?
2: As, as you were asking that question, I'm thinking in my head like, oh yeah, a lot of culture does get in the way of, um. In a way that we don't see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where a lot of it's just they go back home and they're asking their parents for permission. But mm-hmm. then at the time, um, depending on their situation, and I can just use my my life as an example where uh, asking for my, my mom permission to go camping at Joshua Tree. Um uh, and she's never heard of that camping trip. She's never like this we we were just moving into the in settling in in the US mm-hmm. uh after moving here. Um, so for her, it's still kind of like very. Uh, she's very careful on just everything that she would need to kind of like approve on, um, and so I think just being able to have the parents also get that buy-in and understand why the outdoors would be um, a good place to be able to spend more time to invest more time. I think that that's a, a kind of a challenge. But even for those students that are all for it, their parents are all for it. Uh, I think um, I think already the student has a lot of self-initiative that <laughs> I, I don't want to say like, no matter what they did, they also su- succeed, but it's like, they already have that curiosity, like that hunger inside of them to be able to continue kind of pushing them through. Um, but I kind like of steer away from the question a little bit, but I think that's where I see most of it is just kind of the culture that we can do a little more buy into from mm-hmm. kind of trying to educate, um, their parents as well.
1: Nice. Is there any kind of application process? Like does someone need to apply and get accepted to come on these trips?
2: So with the leadership program that we, uh, Dan and I are running right now, mm-hmm. um, there is an application process. We can only, there's this year, I think it was 30, 34 that applied, but we can only take 12. Uh, and then we ended up actually taking 13, um, and then ended up being going back to 12. Uh, so <laughs> it ended up balancing out the numbers. Uh, but yeah, there is a limited number of spaces. There is a lot of people interested. So at least for this program, uh, there is, and so that can also be a barrier in itself already. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the other programs that we do, uh, I think the only other barrier that would happen—that would happen—is like the schools that we already offer it to, mm-hmm. and then there's also schools that we don't. Okay. Uh, and then for that, there's not really um, an application process; it's just whoever's interested and in who can hear about it and mm-hmm. has the time.
0: Are the the programs for the participants themselves? Are they fully funded, or you know, is
3: there a cost associated to, with them? We, we don't make participants uh, pay anything. Um, one of the main things that persuaded me to come into the organization was the fact that a lot of these activities, they are free. Um, you know, when I first got involved, uh, my friend Sinan told me, hey, uh, there's this really cool club that's going to take you out surfing. And the first thing that I thought to my head was like, OK, well. How much is it? (laughs) You know, surfing, I don't know if I can pitch that to my parents, Uh, but if it's cost efficient, then maybe, you know, maybe I can get away with it. Um, You know, going back to um, what we were talking about earlier about uh, what barriers um, and cultural barriers um, really prevent participants from actually getting to these outdoor spaces is for a lot of uh, young girls, it's just that the fact that they're usually the youngest or that they are the daughter um, of the family, that's enough for uh, their parents just to say like, all right, we want to meet who these people um, that are taking you to these outdoor spaces. Uh, And uh, pretty much as an organization, what we had to do was just, you know, adapt to those needs and those interests from their parents about what we will be doing with their daughters. Uh, For example, in El Cajon in particular, uh, there's a large Middle Eastern population and we do get a few uh, individuals, quite a few individuals who uh, wear a hijab or they can't wear certain things. And pretty much as an organization, we adapt it to include uh, special caps uh, for individuals who um, who who do wear hijab so that they can still keep uh, themselves uh, covered as well as, you know, with the arms and legs and everything else.
1: Have you guys seen that Nike now makes like a performance material hijab? You can oh. like get it wet; it's so rad, and it like stays on super well. Like the, um, there's a Middle Eastern surfing team <laughs> that wears them now, and it's cool because it's like makes it so much more accessible for people to like run track and pole vault and <laughs> swim and surf and all these cool things.
2: Did you ever I haven't ever seen that? Wave
1: anymore? No, I did not. So, Kuwait. So, I just went to Kuwait. Um, We got a grant from Nike to build the first female accessible soccer field out there for a girls' school. Um, But the thing with Kuwait is that it's a super, super wealthy country and it's full. So, their citizens get oil stipends like Alaskan citizens get, Mm -hmm. but Alaskan citizens get like 20 bucks a month, whereas Kuwaiti citizens get like thousands of dollars a month. So, none of them really work. Like, regular like restaurant jobs or like they don't work in stores so a lot of their population is people from other countries who are working as contractors so their culture is a little bit more lenient than a lot of other areas or other countries in that area so no I did not have to cover up yeah. but I did garner quite a lot of attention and a lot of people asked me if I was sick <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it was translating well, but they're like, oh, you're so pale. Are you, are you sick? I was like, nope, just translucently pale. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> but it was like,
0: translucently
1: pale. <laughs> okay. Well, not today, because it was 4th of July. Um, but yeah, when we were at the school, um, we had a meeting. Well, like the day we cut the ribbon on the soccer field, we invited, well, the school invited parents to come. And to listen to my story and to talk about like why sports should be accessible. Um, and a lot of the parents were just like, why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, sports are fun. They like make you a better person. And like they make you a better student. You're more likely to go to college. And these parents were just like, <laughs> it's still that's
0: that's such a crazy response, though. Yeah. You know,
1: like- yeah. They really didn't like me.
3: <laughs> this whole person's taking our daughters yeah, out, yeah. <laughs> to and I was little.
1: showing them um, like a slideshow of some of my adventures which like there's a lot of climbing photos in it and they're just like you climb those things I was like yeah they're like where do you shower I was like no <laughs> I don't they're like gross oh. but It's so interesting because I feel like in the United States, there's this huge push to get more people involved in the outdoors. Like the National Park Service is doing a lot of effort. There's organizations like Outdoor Outreach. So to go to another country where not only do they have physical challenges facing their access to sports, but they have like such a deeply rooted cultural approach to it where they don't even see it as an issue. Like Mm. they don't see lack of access to sports even as a problem, you know, so it's crazy. Going yeah. back in November for round two. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully
3: it goes well.
2: Hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> um,
1: so, okay, so we see Outdoor Outreach at Mace Rim quite oh. often because you guys mm-hmm. come in once a month? Probably more than that. Yeah. It seems like it keeps getting more and more often. Which, <laughs> But anyway, so Outdoor Outreach rolls into Mace Rim, and they have, like, giant duffel bags full of climbing gear and shoes and harnesses, yep. and then just mm-hmm. a bunch of kids come in. Yep. And <laughs> I feel like I always see them at first, like... Just like very like tucked away, and they're like, What is this place? And then by the end of it, they all seem like they're stoked yeah would yeah. you what would you say is like the that like timeline of how it happens for people like how they open up to a new sport and what that experience is like for someone who's never been in a climbing gym before
2: I, I think friends help out a lot just to be able to um, open up mm-hmm. but but even so the, the the new students that are it's maybe it's the first time there. Uh, and then the quiet ones, like kind of just still moving around kind of slowly. Uh, but I think even like the challenge of being up there in the wall and then being being vulnerable at that point, but then also uh, engaging trust from the peers that you just met uh, and then act, uh, using that while being up there and then also trying to convince yourself to like, okay, you can do this. Yeah. You can go like a step higher. And then I think uh, what Dion was sp- uh, speaking to earlier of challenge by choice, uh, I think they can really fuel that at that point. Uh, and then also, we, we still like to push them over here and then like, oh, come on, you can do it. um Let's get to like the second hole or like maybe describe a really big hole that's up there or I know there's a lot of like figurines that are gonna be pretty cool while you're climbing. Uh, so yeah, we use a, a lot of those goals for them to be able to use that. So when they know that they achieved it and they come back down and we're all high-fiving and talking about like how they were feeling, I think that's the, p- the point where they easily kind of just open up mm-hmm. and then it's just a snowball effect after that, nice. I think i uh, have, have experienced it or seen it <laughs> It's
0: cool. crazy that it's like across the board it could be adults that you know will climb five feet up and be like okay i'm done you know <laughs> or <enough>. like yeah <laughs> or like some people won't even get on the wall or something mm-hmm. there's like a different level it's not just kids you know it's across the board like what people's comfort level is yeah it's kind of just crazy
2: yeah i i was trying to take my dad out to stand up paddleboarding. um <laughs> And I didn't even know he was, he, he, he didn't know how to And so, but we got there and like, it was the same thing with him. Like he just didn't want to do it. Um, and so that's one thing that we also always are not thinking about is the adults are also like, I think it's also harder for them to try something new yeah. and being able to like still be accepted and not, and not be seen as like somebody who's showing their true selves and kind of like being vulnerable at that, mm-hmm. at that point as well yeah
1: so there was an organization I ran into or it wasn't even an organization it was two teachers who started a rock climbing program in Atlanta Georgia for one of the schools there um and it was like very strict commitment like you had to be at every practice you had to like be respectful and learn you had to learn about climbing like it was not just a fun climbing day like it was this very structured program um you had to like maintain grades and everything like that and One of the teachers was presenting at a conference I was at just about their experience with this program. And she was saying um, they had like a couple of kids who just wouldn't show up. But when they would show up, they were like psyched. They were happy to be there. But then they just their attendance was poor. And they realized it's because they a) didn't have like athletic clothes to wear every day or like they didn't have clean clothes or they weren't able to wash their jersey. And B, they also didn't have like snacks to bring with them. Like they didn't have like lunch to bring or whatever. Um, Do you guys experience that as well?
3: Well, not so much. Uh, We provide food for a lot of the participants. We um, offer snacks, Mm -hmm. uh, ranging from just a few granola bars with fruit and some granola, um, all the way to a full lunch where we give deli sandwiches uh, to participants. So they don't have to worry about food when coming onto a trip with us. Um, As for some students who decide not to come on every trip, uh, that's okay. We do mark down who comes and they do have a um, first priority just in case there is a scenario where we have a whole bunch of kids who would like to come, um, but we can only bring so much. That's when we take in c- into consideration attendance. who has been coming in the most, uh, but I would also like to throw out there that for a lot of our kids, you know, what we offer is just like a break from the turmoil uh, away from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes a kid could just be going through a lot of stuff at school, at home. And like we provide like a little mini vacation away from the things that they're dealing with their lives back at home. Uh, so we don't really pay attention to uh, the grades of those individuals. Mm-hmm. We believe that the service that we give um, is is one that any uh, individual can benefit from, and they should be exposed to the things that we do, regardless of whether or not they could either afford it or whether or not they have the grades to uh, even participate in the activities that we give.
1: Nice, that's amazing. We had um, we have a woman on our adaptive program, and she works in Mexico trying to get more regulation around pesticide use in the crops mm-hmm. there because she studies like childhood asthma and diseases and different things like that. And they're linked to pesticide use. Um, but she gets paid in pesos, which is not an ideal conversion to (laughs) us dollars. Um, but we found that she wouldn't come climbing because she just literally couldn't afford athletic clothes. And it's crazy to think of the barriers that can keep people from getting involved in stuff. And we were fortunate. We partnered with Viori clothing up in Encinitas and they donated a whole bunch of clothes so that, it never becomes an issue, but it's just crazy. What can keep someone, keep someone back?
3: Yeah. You know, we also provide, um, gear mm-hmm. for these individuals to actually participate. So we also have clothing that we can give to participants. Uh, let's say we're going on a hike and it's raining. We have rain jackets. Uh, you don't have proper footwear. We have plenty of hiking boots. Uh, same goes for other things like pants, um, goggles, depending on uh, an activity like snowboarding and just stuff like that. So we also cover that as well. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think just clothing in general is can make or break it. Yeah, uh, how they take on that sport mm-hmm. uh, during this summer. Uh, Prana is helping out a lot too, like just with the Irish in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they also helped out with uh, the literature program from this year, and then we went to their headquarters, uh, and then they ended up uh, hooking them up with uh, some pants, uh, shirts, and a jacket, uh, which would be really useful for them uh, during our trips to be able to have that athletic wear. Yeah. Uh, to be those professionals that they are striving to be for. And then just more resources being added to them because, yeah, yeah having yoga pants, having um, even just like some, a shirt that you don't mind getting wet or dirty or yeah. anything like that. That It's all you, on your own. Mm-hmm. That you, uh, you achieved it through the same program that you are uh, going with. I think uh, that would also li- help them a lot.
0: Is there... um? Is there a, a timeline that you guys want to see somebody participating in the program itself before you, you would consider them for like this leadership program?
2: No, we actually have um, an age range. There is an age range where is sixteen to twenty can apply. Uh, their previous experience with the outdoors with any of the programs that we have um, is not is not uh, something that we put into consideration. Um, we have a good mix of various schools that we partner with. Um, Students that have never been with their driver's before have heard of it. They saw our poster, decided to apply. Um, yeah, and then we we ended up having um, a lot of those, a, a good mix of group for that. So so that was really helpful. And I think at that point, um, Dion and I are the their instructors, and we're teaching them, like, new skills. But I think who they learn the most from is their peers, being able to see where they're coming from, uh, where they've been, and, like, where they are now. Uh, and then just trying to kind of, like, for them to level up with each other and you kind of just uh, learn from each other. That's where I see most of the growth happening as well.
0: Yeah, it seems like the the social skills are what you really Mm. need to learn. You know, (laughs) the the skill set of how to set up a top rope or like, you know, how to send somebody out on a surfboard that can be taught pretty easily. But Mm -hmm. to actually interact with, you know, a whole group of individuals (laughs) that – That's probably the hardest part of the whole thing.
2: And already I'm like super impressed by them when I was in high school at their age. (laughs) I was not doing, uh, I I didn't want to do have the stuff that we're doing now. Uh, And there's a big progression as well from our leadership program. Uh, But kind of the stuff that they're already doing and just them as individuals who are still 18, 16, um, taking this uh, level of uh, just ownership and all the effort they got to put into it. It's not just something that like, oh, I'm just going to go do and like have fun on these activities, but they also do put a lot of their effort to be able to grow and continue learning. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm always so impressed by just like the way the leadership program participants like handle themselves. Like when we go to these dinners, they all speak with so much conviction and they're so like I don't know, they just have this air about them. Like they are Mm -hmm. super confident in themselves and they do believe in what they're saying and when I listen to their speeches and just chat with them at the tables, I'm just always so taken aback by like how professional and Mm -hmm. how much self respect they portray and all this stuff. Like it just seems like they're gaining so much from you guys. Like when I was 17, I did (laughs) not get up in front of people and like speak about my experience in my life. And to see so many people able to do that in such an authentic way is so neat. But you guys also mm -hmm. teach them like how to do a resume and do job Mm -hmm. interviews and stuff like that too. Right?
2: Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was gonna say with uh, the group that you were talking about last year, mm-hmm. I was able to to work with them as well, uh, and there was a lot of workshops as well that we would uh, also have them like work on telling their story. Yeah, uh, just for them to have that opportunity to to do so, they want to. Um, uh, they just gotta work it out, see how. Um, and yes, uh, resume building is one of the uh, kind of towards the very end, like okay, putting into consideration everything that we've just done, everything that you already had like from your high school experience and and so on, kind of just trying to put it together, uh, interview skills too, which they, they had to do interviews for the program. Uh, and I'm, I'm already like really impressed by them since then. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they all dressed really nice, we still have some of their pictures uh, kind of hung up on that. Um, but, but yeah, they're, they're, they're doing a lot just for themselves already.
1: How did you guys decide, you know, as an outdoor focused organization to then, like who thought we should make like hard life skills part of this too? Like who kind of came up with that balance between like the fun of going outdoors, but then also the fun of like building a resume. Fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it do you remember making your first resume? Like you're so stoked to get a job when you're young because you're like,
0: yeah, okay, who decided? A little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> like Discover card or something.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> That's where
0: my first job application went to. Went to Anyways. Discover
1: card? Yeah. Like the credit card company? Mm-hmm. What did you want to do for them?
0: customer service
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they didn't hire me Super maybe fun. you should have
1: gotten <laughs> some resume help
0: I know actually I wish I <laughs>
1: anyway that. back to the question how did you guys decide to put these real life skills and connect that to outdoor skills
2: I think it's just been the progression of every year trying to improve what we already have mm-hmm. and then seeing what we can do uh, the next uh, one thing that we always remind them as well is just Back in our time, (laughs) back when and I started, it was completely different. Yeah. Where it was probably maybe one or two times we would meet a month trying to, uh, with our coordinator and then trying to do our trainings. Um, The other part of the time, it was like a lot of us just signing up on those trips and being able to get more experience and just being exposed to what, like those environments already. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think naturally that was the progression that we were going in and being able to like, okay, well we offer this, what else can we also do? We have all this time, uh, how can we restructure? So back then it was like a full year where we would meet and do trainings and uh, after a year or two of doing that, then we would go into new instructors and training and then go up to the the, the instructor ladder. Uh, But I think it's like now it is emphasized into uh, this it's uh, emphasizing to this eight-week program during the summer. And mm-hmm. so within that time, we we're also trying to figure out, like, okay, what can we fit in there? What can we not? And so we're trying to be very strategic with uh, what we can offer. And so, so uh, yeah, resume building was one of the ones that uh, kind of stuck in there for a good while, but then also trying to add more more resources as, like, having guest speakers from our own um, community and uh, other instructors that already work without the right reach, but not, are not necessarily like they're... It's their job to be within the entire time. Um, and so trying to get them being engaged and give them um, a different style of uh, leadership that mm-hmm. they can get exposed to. Um, so I think it's just a one big team effort from Outdoor in trying to continue making it grow.
1: Nice. Yeah, I think it's it's so good to hear that there's organizations stepping up. Because when I was in high school, all I learned was that mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> and like, here's how to do a math derivative. Mm-hmm. And no one was ever like, here's how to be a good person <laughs> and to like have self value and how to build a resume
2: or how to do taxes
1: or how to do taxes. Yeah, it I just get me. God, I just messed up my What's taxes credit? this past year. <laughs> yeah, like, why should I not put a thirty thousand dollar TV on my credit card?
2: <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> how does a mortgage work? <laughs> but it's so it's amazing to hear that there are people who are filling those gaps, you know, mm-hmm. um, do you guys have a favorite program that you do? Like the surfing or climbing or camping, like what do you have a favorite one?
2: For me, I really enjoy teaching rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one sport that I fell in love through this program when I was in high school and still one of my, uh, the things that I want to continue doing and teaching. So for me, that's, uh, I, I'm really passionate about that as well as backpacking. Nice. Uh, and then on their seventh, seventh week of the summer program, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be going over to Lake Sabrina. And doing a, a five five day four nights backpacking trip. Sweet. Uh, so I think those are already my favorite ones. Just kind of like having that experience before.
1: And have you gone on to do any like AMGA climbing certifications or anything?
2: I took my SPI uh, course mm-hmm. back in March, I think, uh, er- earlier on in the spring. Uh, and so I just need to take the test later on. Nice. Uh, so I'm hoping to for the weather to get a little better. Just go to <laughs> Joshua Trail all the time and just. Uh, improve on those skills and then uh, sign up for my test and just pass it and <laughs> and do it. And
1: can you explain how, <laughs> like, gruesome getting an SPI can be, or can you just talk about what an SPI even is?
2: Yeah, so uh, I-, I can start off with why I want to do it to begin with. Mm-hmm. without the I reach anytime time that we are taking a big group to Joshua Tree, uh, which is also kind of like my favorite uh, my favorite national park uh, that I get, I was first introduced to. So it's not my favorite. Um, that's what we do a lot for camping trips and rock climbing. Uh, but for us to be able to bring a big group like this and be an organized group into a national park, we need to have an SBI guide, a uh, single pitch instructor. And so that certification alone is pretty tough just because you have to already have a lot of experience in that, in that, uh, realm of mm-hmm. rock climbing and then being able to also not just do it uh, like perform yourself, but then also be able to teach other people as you go, as you're doing it. And as you're uh, taking them up on this uh, really tall wall and then they're scared and so trying to like calm them but then also just still keeping our cool <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like okay we got this but I think it's just a, a lot of things that you gotta put together to be able to make a successful trip and have somebody else who's really terrified of uh, the heights and rock climbing and it's never done it before and then trying to give them a, a really awesome experience uh, so rock climbing is like the hard skills is not that the actual hard part it's just being able to have another human being and kind of like um, make the best for them to be able to um, have that positive environment to mm-hmm. be able to like have them enjoy being out there and put, <laughs> Not put themselves be terrified. out. Yeah, put, put, <laughs> they're already putting themselves uh, way out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. uh, on a single little like really thin uh, <laughs> rope. So I think just for them being in the first time, it's like uh, kind of like the, the main job of the SPI being yeah. able to.
1: So make that your happen. the SBI process is you take it's a two day course or three day course?
2: I think it's a three day three-day course, uh, where you are learning more skills, learning more of, um, uh, the skills that you'll be using to be able to set up the anchors and bring people up there. So I think that's, that's three days. And then you have to take the test, which is a two-day process, I believe, Mm -hmm. where on the first time, first day, you show your skills to your, to your, to your instructor. And then the second day you... Are actually performing and taking a group of uh, people out there
1: mm-hmm. and and uh, the test has a pretty small room for error from what I've heard test, yeah. right it's like pretty
0: I think it depends <laughs> on your, your instructor <laughs> True. some yeah. are some are more strict than
1: others mm-hmm. yeah, I it's... had a friend who came back from <laughs> taking his test and he failed and no. I think he cried a little <laughs> when he <laughs> got back. He was like, I just missed one thing. I was like, ooh.
2: There's a lot of, it's very nerve-wracking that like yeah. you have to perform right then. Yeah. You already yeah. know the stuff that you have to do, but then trying and to perform just, it at the same time. Yeah, someone's
1: <laughs> right next to you like, tie that knot. He got anchored. <laughs> yeah. like, a
0: friend of mine just told me that they, the instructor failed every single person in the oh, court. <laughs> yeah, God. it yeah. has
1: a really high fail For rate. something
0: very small and, and an insignificant.
2: Just mm-hmm. Failed everybody, but I think yeah, it's just being nervous. I yeah. remember when I was applying for here to to Mr. M and I I had to demonstrate doing the the ballet lesson. Yeah, and I, I've done it multiple <laughs> times, and that's something I already do without thinking about it. But then trying to <laughs> teach it right then, I'm like, oh, I didn't see this, uh, and you're just stumbling. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I still remember that part.
1: When I interviewed here, I also had to like. <laughs> demonstrate like a very abridged like 10 minute play lesson and the person who was interviewing me handed me a harness but I was wearing a skirt (laughs) because I was like I dressed like nicely for this interview and he was like oh can you teach it without the harness? I was like oh my God (laughs) Which that was the moment I realized I could never be an SBI. (laughs) Because I'm too nervous
3: on the spot. Dude how expensive are is the the course? I forgot. Uh
2: pretty Pretty expensive. Pretty, hefty it's line? not cheap. It's not cheap. Yeah, okay, be, not it's cheap. a it's a two step process to be to begin with. So I think the first one, the 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 course, it's a little bit over five hundred. I think five twenty five, five thirty, uh, and then the test itself is another three over a little over three hundred bucks. I think.
3: And you still risk a failing. And you yeah. still have the risk of failing, you and you don't get your money back. <laughs> yeah, no
1: money. Is right. there any financial aid out there for people who want to do that?
2: I think AMGA might. Do uh, scholarships as well for that. Uh, the way that I was able to do it, luckily I was able to, um, without their outreach and uh, they have a professional development fund uh-huh. and me working there full time, I'm able to get like a, a, a little more portion to be able to pay for, for the course. Nice. So luckily that was almost halfway taken care of. I just got to figure out the other half now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so um, the, the leadership roles, are they paid? Once you guys once you guys get them through these courses and stuff are they do they continue on with outdoor outreach yeah
3: they, they get a stipend um, after the leadership program uh, when the summer is over uh, they will have an opportunity to submit their resume again to us and uh, we'll go through another round of interviews and we'll select uh, a few of them to come work with us as new instructors in training.
2: Yes. Yeah, and it's, it's up for for those who feel like they still want to continue doing this. It's the introductory to the other world, mm-hmm. right? And so they're still trying to figure out like, well, should, should teaching how to do this is is that my thing? Um, yeah, I think. Uh, and then so it's up to them to be able to decide who wants to do what. They're still like a, a lot of them are going to go back to college, back to school, and then have that be part of uh, just their day to day basics. Um, so I think it depends who wants to still continue on, uh, working with us and being on uh, continue getting more experience, but there's still a good, a, a lot of people that are still want, want to continue doing this after the summer is over. And yeah, mm-hmm.
0: it's cool that, I mean, you guys do such a broad range of activities so you can really take that to any organization and any part of your life to, you know, I, I know that there's tons of outreach programs like this as well. So.
1: Do you guys have a favorite memory from any of your trips or experiences?
3: Well, my favorite uh, memory would be when I first went to the to the beach for the first time. I was actually at Torrey Pines, and I had no idea that we we're going to the to the beach. Um, had no clue what Torrey Pines was. Uh, so, you know, a week after I signed up to uh, this little club called Adventure Club, which is you know a little program that we host at a few high school campuses, um, I arrived the next week. Um, I'm in this car. I'm zoning out hard on the freeway. I have no idea where I'm going. Right, <laughs> and uh, we start the hike. Um, everything's nice. I mean, it's like just a bunch of shrubs, some birds. Like, oh, this is nice. But you know, the ground and and different things about my environment slowly transformed into just being right there at the trailhead, right on top of the beach. And at that point, like it was just straight chaos. All the kids were running (laughs) to the water. I'm like, oh, wow, that escalated quickly. I had no clue I was going to be here, but okay, I'm here. And, um, yeah, the instructor at the time, he had to reel us all in because we were just so excited. We, we dipped straight to the water, which kind of gave him (laughs) a little scare because he thought we were just going to dive in. Um, but what stood out to me was just like the different wildlife, Mm -hmm. um, just, just the ocean itself and just, seeing something new, you know, and like a lot of people their first time at the beach it, it could be when they're like 3 or 4 years old and then they've been to the beach plenty more times after that mm-hmm. but to be a 15 year old like, like like yeah, you can remember quite a bit and yeah. have that be your first time at the beach. It, it was just it was just a huge sensory overload. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: can imagine. I um I volunteer for, there's an organization called the Hemophilia Association of San Diego County. And every summer they do this like teen leadership camp. uh, And we go river rafting down the American River from like Sacramento South. Um, And last year I volunteered for the whole five days. And on like, I think it was the second to last day we took these kayaks out. And I was like, oh, I'm like a super confident kayaker. I grew up on a lake, like blah, blah, blah. And then I was in a two-person kayak with the director of that organization and we (laughs) hit a rock and she like fell out but was holding on to my life jacket (laughs) and was like pulling me out of my kayak because she was terrified. And then we both like flipped our kayak over and like floated through these rapids and it was (laughs) just like such a yard sale and there were like paddles everywhere and my shoes came off. And all these kids are like, how you guys suck at kayaking. <laughs> 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 so that's, I'm going to that again tomorrow. So I'm ready. I've refined my skills.
2: <laughs> it's time to, but I was, to show them again.
1: Yeah, I was shamed by like 10, 15 year, to 18 year olds about how awful of a kayaker I was. <laughs> i just
0: i keep like envisioning the the hemophilia kayaking trip in my head and i'm like man that sounds dangerous
1: it's so so hemophilia is when your blood can't clot Mm -hmm. properly and people think like cuts are the biggest issue but really it's internal bleeding like if you get hit Mm. in like your muscle or joint like it bleeds into your muscle and minor
0: right like it doesn't take much.
1: It does not take much. No. Which is so as I was like floating through these rapids and just like pinballing off of all the rocks. Oh. I was like why is this this for we're doing? <laughs> but we have like nurses and medical staff and everyone is on like a medication regimen that they have to be compliant with. But beyond the teen camp, there's a youth camp also for little kids and it's a week at this YMCA camp up in Big Bear. And I thought the teen camp was scary, but the youth camp is scary. Because kids have no regard for their well-being. Like, they're, like, ziplining, and they're, like, hitting trees, and they're throwing rocks at each other. And yeah, they don't
0: like, care that they have that condition no. at all. Can you
1: remember <laughs> being a kid and just having, like, no bodily regard? Like, you would do anything. You, like, eat dirt and jump just off bounce, stuff. <laughs> bounce I right still bed. eat
0: dirt. <laughs> okay. Well.
1: But, yeah, it's so scary for me because I'm not a doctor, but... Yeah, it's it's fun. We haven't had any injuries yet. Knock on wood. it's not wood? Yeah. It's and like it's like, it's like okay. shitty plywood. <laughs> um, Luis, do you have a favorite memory at all, or like, or a disastrous day when everything went horribly wrong? <laughs> yes
2: and <or> no. <laughs> I'll start with the with the memories. Um, I think for me, it's I think it's every time that we have um, a staff training because. I can always see the progression of how many other past leads are there. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we first started, it was just myself and like a couple handful of other people. But then as the years go by and I keep, we keep doing all those uh, staff trainings, like those numbers of past leads, well, lead graduates uh, keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, so it's always really cool to see like, Hey, you're like from class 2015, 2016, and you just kind just continue seeing that progression. Like eventually we're overtaking <laughs> uh, as far as like, being in the instructor pool, um, so I think for me it's not just that a single memory, but it's a it's an occasion that keeps happening, and I'm always trying to feed, uh, see that progression of of, of its growth. <laughs> nice. Uh, as far as a disaster thing, um, I think I was in Joshua Tree once, and we just got a there was where we keep our camping tra- uh, our camping gear. We have a trailer already on site. Mm-hmm. But um, myself as the S1, as a senior instructor, I think I forgot the keys that time. Yes. And so we're just trying to figure out, like, a way to open this. And I'm just freaking out. I'm like, I, can't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, the Everybody else had already been, uh, like, out in the day, like, uh, walking about and, like, just started really hot and just looking forward to going back to camp. Mm-hmm. And um, just relaxing. But I, as I'm, like, trying to figure this out and trying not to... Um, Scare them a little bit I'm like hey well we don't have our we don't have our sleeping bags and it's already like in the fall it gets really cold so it's like okay well, we gotta access this somehow and I think I sent them on another hike while we're trying to like maybe pick lock this or trying to break it somehow <laughs> luckily another uh, another instructor that was there was able to um, I think with like a, just a giant bar can I like, just break it open and so we, nice. we, we had access to it, but I was, <laughs> I was freaking out at that point that was yeah that was not my my chill day <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you Dion do you uh focus more on the rock climbing or is is there another specialty i guess that you would focus on or
3: yeah i I have a personal preference for aquatic activities so uh, I'm mainly into uh snorkel kayak uh supping stand up paddleboard, and surfing uh my favorite activity is mainly snorkeling just it's just for me it's a great learning opportunity and a teaching opportunity just just to show people like what's underneath the water. And um, this uh, particular spot where we go up in uh, Mission Point, uh, there's, um, there's this little strip where we go snorkeling at and just the transformation that it's gone through over the past two years from a place where it was just filled with like life to, to now being affected with warmer climate, with like less life there. Uh, it just provides the perfect opportunity to explain why we need to protect uh, a lot of these outdoor spaces that we're in.
1: Do you guys get a lot of participants who don't know how to swim?
3: Yeah, we do.
1: How do you mitigate that when you're taking them into the ocean?
3: <laughs> so uh, for a lot of uh, participants, they'll usually go through like a swim lesson uh, at the at this community pool in San Diego called Colina Pool, right?
2: Colina the soul. All-
3: Kalina Del Sol. All right. Okay. And uh, yeah, we we go through swim lessons there. If they don't go through that, let's say they're on a surf trip. Um, they're not in deep water to where they cannot touch the ground, uh, not to mention that they have something fairly buoyant, uh, which is their surfboard to hold on to. Um, uh, you know, the, they're in good hands.
1: Cool. Yeah. Nice. Um. So as we wrap up, what would you guys say is the key that makes outdoor outreach successful? Like if you had to pick one thing and you're like, this is what makes it all work. What do you think that would be?
2: I think the community that it's in, I think the fact that it's here in San Diego Mm -hmm. and there's all the, all the activities that we already do, we can do them within San Diego. Um, and so, having the beach right there, having the mountains a little further uh, farther north, um, that already gives the that are there to, for the for the community to be able to take them. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, we're the bridge. And so, for us to be able to kind of like being able to connect them to that is what was all the bridges that we've created so far. Like we, we we're celebrating our twentieth year this uh, this year. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a big thing. Uh, Twenty years were like. The way that we started to where it is now Mm -hmm. is it's amazing, Um, and so I think again like just going back to the community, it's them who it's because of them that we're still here twenty years, Um, and there's always a big interest. uh, The outdoors has always been part of us, and so I think it's just us trying to reconnect back to it. It's what we're trying to do whenever whenever we go outdoors and we go just enjoy uh, and find ourselves during that time, like however we want to we would want to spend it.
1: Nice. Do you have your own your own key?
3: Yeah, so I just want to start off by saying that Louise is absolutely right. Our community is um, is definitely an asset. Uh, I believe that another thing that has contributed quite well to our to our growth is our ability to refine ourselves into something better. Uh, after every trip, we always uh, have a debrief a debrief with every single individual who was on a trip. Mm-hmm. And we go over what worked well, what didn't work well, any logistical concerns, anything about the location. And that's how every single trip is like for us, just so that we're constantly picking up information to send up to the people in the front office. Uh, Because, yeah, (laughs) you know, it's great to be a field instructor, but there's a lot of people doing, uh, you know, the behind the, behind the scene work. And, um, you know, our ability to take information, ask ourselves, what can we do to, you know, provide a better service for the community next time. Uh, 20 years worth of doing that is what we are right now. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I believe firmly that that's one of the main reasons why we still exist as an organization now.
1: Cool. So if someone wanted to get involved and become part of the outdoor outreach community or just help out, what are some of the avenues they can take to help you guys? Yeah,
2: I think like right away just seeking information. Uh I think that email is info at dot org mm-hmm. um just for them to be able to figure out like the capacity that they can. We are always taking in volunteers. Uh if they're over the age of eighteen, um they they will just need to do uh, orientation, volunteer orientation that happens uh on every mid the mid Wednesday of every month. Uh, it's always a different dates. Um so that's like just the first way to to start off just mm-hmm. for them to be able to do so uh, if they want to work and or still continue being involved with us um it will always redirect them to that point just mm-hmm. so that they can get to know how I reach more to begin with um and then from there depending on what they want to do if they want to work with us if um hmm. yeah I, I think just from there it will continue just moving to where they would want to be uh and i think just we're always also taking in more, more instructors and then more staff that we, we need as the days go mm-hmm. uh, and as the programs continue growing. Um, so if you happen to be around the area where we're already seeking more help for that specific position or if you just want to volunteer, I think that's already like a really great way and it's always open for that.
1: And can people donate like old camping gear or tents or anything like that? Is that helpful as well?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of our gear is mm. donated, cool. uh, not all gear, um, mm. but um, a good chunk of it is donated from uh, individuals in the community, and that goes a long way.
1: Awesome. Sweet. Anything else you guys want to add?
2: Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. it's really yeah, thanks, great guys. to be able yeah. to talk uh, about what we already do and why we're doing it.
1: Yeah, it was so psyched we could get you guys on after, <laughs> after many back and forth yeah. emails.
3: So, <laughs>
0: sorry, if I'm a parent and I want to have my kid get involved with your guys' programming? How would I go about doing that?
3: Well, at the moment, we have our summer adventure program where um, we do give parents the option for paying uh, for, a, I believe, a week's worth of um, activity Mm -hmm. Yeah, where their uh, child will be doing a wide range of activities from surfing, uh, kayaking, and other aquatic activities for the summer. So if you're not enrolled in one of our programs at a particular school, you can still get involved.
2: Okay. And even that uh, fee can also be subsidized with yeah. uh, with just applying for that. Um, and if that parent already has a school, uh, their kid in the school that we're already working with, kind of just finding out uh, about Outdoor Irish, going to, to the teachers and f- figuring out, like, is this offered in their school? Um, and so, yeah, like, as the, as the years go, we're also trying to make sure that more families who are not in those schools have an, a way to be able to be part of it.
1: Awesome. So you guys are celebrating our 20 year anniversary. If you were to look forward to your next 20 year anniversary, what do you see Outdoor Outreach as? Oh my gosh! Besides uh, like taking over the universe oh <laughs> yeah. and everyone becoming kayakers, you know, rock climbers, rock climbers, rock climbers.
3: You know, uh, if if we do survive another 20 years, um, <laughs> I remember as a participant, I used to think that you know Outdoor Outreach was such a great look. Um, organization that we do need to expand mm-hmm. and in 20 years i would love to see multiple locations
1: we like chapters yeah Ooh.
3: it'd be amazing
1: yeah having more at least within
2: around san diego having multiple houses for us not not houses but like uh, places for us to be able to like already have gear ready to go like maybe one by the beach and then we can just like have all the camping gear next to it and then connect yeah. kind of like to surfing uh the same thing for rock climbing we can just already have a set somewhere where we would be uh, it would be needed um, but yeah, I think just also uh, the staff members who who makes outdoor outreach mm-hmm. uh, keep going, and so as long as we have good people, it'll be it'll be going to good
3: places.
1: Do you guys ever see outdoor outreach doing work in other countries?
3: Well, we have a lot of our staff that did work south of the border with oh, Wild nice. Coast, okay. um, uh, but maybe maybe.
2: Cool. I do want it to. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be I great. Think it might take a little more than 20 years, but it's still within, within reach. Still within reach. Uh, we, we
3: could do it a little earlier if <laughs> you know, we, we had like a group of people who were dedicated. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, with and all the always, help of people hearing us. Yeah. 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 It
1: always takes a lot of manpower to make stuff mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. But cool. Anything awesome. else you want to add? I don't think so. Anything else you guys want to add? Oh, no, yeah, right.
2: a, that's all. No, thanks. Thank you for the interview.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. For <laughs> <a> the podcast. <laughs> podcast. 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 Sweet. This
1: is our least bloopery podcast I we've know. done so far. <laughs>